You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. I'm going to invite Jill to come and join me on the stage. Uh, Jill Rowe, who is from Oasis Church Waterloo. It's great to have you here. Some of you will know you very well. Some people will know you very well because you've been to our church here a few times now. Um, for other people, it might be the first time they met you. Hi. Um, <laughs> so, so it'd be really good if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and, yeah, and sure. about Oasis Waterloo maybe as well. I'm really old. Um, uh, I've been in Oasis for 27 years. Um, so, uh, yeah, I uh, trained as a youth and community worker and a teacher, secondary school. I don't know why I'm scratching my head. It's not itching, by the way. So, um, yeah, so I trained as a youth and community worker and as a teacher um, and lived in Derby, which is why I was asking about Nottingham earlier, honey. This is honey. She's new here today. Um, uh, and then I met Steve Chalk in about 94, and he asked if I'd come and work for Oasis. And so I left my blossoming teaching career for no salary to come and work for Oasis. I do get paid now, so just if that was a worry, probably not, but if that was a worry for you then. Um, And my uh, job in Oasis now, because Oasis has grown from, uh, when I joined I think I was about the 60th employee maybe, Um, and now just in terms of people who work in Oasis, there's about 5,000 staff. So it's a, that's just in the UK. Uh, we work around the world. Um, so my job now, uh, and I've been doing this work probably for about 20 years, I'm called the Ethos and Formation Director. Does anyone know what that means? Great, I can make it up then. Um, My job in Oasis is to help us keep hold of our vision. My job in Oasis is to help our leaders lead in the way of Oasis, which is all inspired by the life message and example of Jesus. Um, And so I do a lot of work around values. We have our ethos values. I think they're probably somewhere on the wall in here. Um, Thank you. Oh, there they are. There we go. They're on the screen, yeah. There you go. I've got those tattooed on my back. Um, And along with a picture of Steve. um, (laughs) I haven't. Honestly, I really, just to be clear, I really, really do not have either of those things. Um, And then, uh, so the the ethos values are the way we want to be known as an organisation. Every one of those has got some really deep theology that sits behind it. But Oasis is an inclusive movement. So uh, we want people to come and join in with what this is all about, the transformation of people and places. um, And we gather around those ethos values. Um, And we learn how to do that by following the way. So on that wall, uh, there's something that we call the Oasis Nine Habits, which we may talk a little bit more about. Um, But that's... Basically, I get people to be nice, is what someone said to me. <laughs> That's my job. I like that. I like that as a job description. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, I should have mentioned Kez, sorry Kez. Um, Kez is here as photographer today um, and she's taking some photographs. Um, hopefully you'll have gathered when you came in that if you would rather not be in shot on any of the photos, then the table on your left, my right, at the back, um, is a not in shot table. So if you're on that table, uh, then you won't be photographed. Um, if you're moving around the building, because we encourage you to move around the building, um, then the solution for that is if you wear one of the grey lanyards which is on, the t on that table, um, then um, if, if you won't be in shot, or if you accidentally do get in shot, it won't be used. Um, that's the idea. So, um, so welcome Kez, um, and if you see Kez taking photos, that's what it's about. Um, and like I say, if you'd rather not, then that table is there as an alternative. Give Kez a round of applause. <laughs> I was waiting for everyone to move at that point. I know what the whole church yeah. migrates to that table, yeah. Um, we talked about being inclusive, you talked in your introduction about Oasis being inclusive. Another part of the DNA of Oasis Church is to be a progressive church. Um, and that means, I guess, a whole load of things to different people. What does it mean to you to be a progressive church in terms of the way we look at theology and thinking? Um, curiosity, I think, is what it means. Um, uh, I, I don't know, I know some of you, but I don't know all, all of you, and some of us in this space have probably gone through the church system, where curiosity was not what was encouraged. Some of us were fortunate enough to be in churches that did allow curiosity, and allowed us to think, uh, and all the rest of it. Um, so for me, I think what I, what I love about Oasis churches is this, one, the inclusivity, because I think it makes it way more fun. Um, and secondly, I think curiosity, that we should always ask questions, because none of us know everything now, right? No, no one knows every, everything. You're going to learn something new today that you didn't know, even when you got up this morning. So to approach being church, to approach how we understand who God is, um, to approach how we be human in the world with a closed mind and without curiosity, I think is, well, it, it, it's just sapping of life, I think. And then the other thing I think about being progressive, and I think this is an important point to make, Sometimes people get so busy deconstructing what they've thought that they forget that there's a role to love the world and love others as we love ourselves. So we spend all our time engaged in, well, I don't, but some people spend all their time engaged in, I believe this, what I believe is better than what you believe. Calling that progressive? I don't think that's progressive at all. I think progressive is when you follow the way of Jesus. And you participate in the revolution, which is to love God and love others as you love yourself, which looks like participating in the transformation of the world. That's progressive. I love that bit where it says love others as you love yourself as well. So it's okay to look after yourself. It's okay to love yourself because actually that, that's part of that phrase as well, which yeah. is really significant. Shall I, do you want me to respond to that as well? Oh, then, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know where this conversation is going to go, by the way. So just so you know. <laughs> I, so it's interesting, isn't it, that the invitation of Jesus, this is a really common thing that he said, everyone would have known when he spoke. Oh, yeah, 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 I know we've heard that before. 
But he, he always put twists on things, Jesus, didn't he? He was like the master storyteller. But even if I think about all the conversations I have with people, the problems that I have to help sort out, people not getting on, you know, work problems, life problems, often it comes back to, I don't, I don't love myself. <laughs> I don't mean loving ourselves through acts of well-being. I don't mean that. I mean, I actually don't love myself. I don't accept that I am lovable. I don't accept that I'm worthy or enough. Um, and that, I think, just the, the genius of Jesus, even in that thing where he's saying, love God and love others as you love yourself, he's... It's like this sharp but beautiful thing he's saying, which is, you are loved. You're lovable. You're worthy. You are enough. Which is, like, how many of us believe that? But not all of us. Because <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? Things get in the way. That truth gets hidden from us. Life hides the truth of our lovedness uh, from us. And um, yeah, so yeah. Actually ties in really well with the theme that we've been starting at the moment. The theme at the moment is already good. Um, mm. And that ties in really well with how we see ourselves and how we see yeah. others as well. Um, so the theme already good, we've been talking about original blessing as an uh, alternative to the um, long-established original sin format. Um, and we're, we're questioning that and saying, actually, is that how we see things? Is that how we see the world? Mm. Are we being heretical to do that? Or is it okay for us to do that? Well, as the Pope, I'm going to say to you... No, no. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. I think the whole fall and redemption theology, um, I don't know, Joe, you preached, did you last week? Or, um, I, I, so I, I'm sorry, I didn't listen back yet. Um, uh, but the whole notion of fall and redemption comes from Augustine, who was around, you know, 350 to 4 something AD. So that was... That was a particular, so it's, it's quite recent, really, isn't it? That whole notion that there's fallen redemption. But there are, other, there are other theories that came before that. So, Iranius, Pelegas, Pelegasus, I can never say his name. Um, but just the notion of, uh, so for Iranius, the, you know, the, the, the whole thing about the, there's the Genesis poem, and then when you get to chapter three, there's this this other other story about some stuff that went wrong. And like Arrhenius just describes that as like it's just a stumble on the journey. It's just a stumble on the journey. Augustine interpreted that and said it's a fallen redemption which was actually an adoption of all sorts of Greek philosophical thinking. So it's perfectly okay to be curious about it because we've adopted something that has dominated biblical study and has become the format of the way churches are set up, the way we design our buildings. But if you take Arrhenius and the other guy whose name begins with P, um, 
what what you get to is a notion of liberation that actually Jesus came to liberate people and to liberate them from the things that were stopping them see their original goodness shame pain the messages that other people put on them trauma and you can see it in the stories he told so if you think about you know the story of the prodigal son yes no yeah i mean it's we kind of know that story right but in that so that was an indian story it came from india it wasn't it wasn't familiar uh, it didn't come first from the near east it was an indian story because it came alexander the great who was conquering you know the known world through massacring people um that story traveled back but it was very familiar in the culture but the the original um kind of version of that story that everyone was familiar with the prodigal son makes his return but he makes his return really gradually by doing things to be accepted <laughs> do you see jesus tells the story and goes and his dad saw him and he just pegs it at him <laughs> relentless love relentless love not i have to snivel my way towards this man but just this unbelievable completely unconditional your home and your my son like can you feel the difference you don't snivel your way back but relentless love comes and finds you and then releases you to be who you are who you've always been so so i think that what we've through our misunderstanding and our um kind of this uh, almost like this track of thinking which is full redemption full redemption we miss this invitation that we're being called to be liberated to become who we've always been. Uh, Gregory uh, Father Gregory Boyle who's a hero of mine if you haven't read any of his stuff then do. Amazing um Jesuit priest who works in LA. Um he just what's the phrase he uses he says um you're exactly who god had in mind when you were first made you were you were exactly who god in mind had in mind when you were first made like this there's there's nothing bad there's just hiddenness and what you can't see and what life does to us is it stops us seeing our goodness thank you there may be lots of questions that people have and there's going to be an opportunity in the second part of the gathering this morning for people to ask questions um, you'll see there are piece of paper on your table 
Um, so do be thinking about a question you'd like to ask. Um, it can be one that you come up with as a, a group of people on your table, or maybe it's an individual one for yourself. If you write down on that piece of paper a question that you would like answered, um, particularly around this subject, but it could be wider. Um, and, Not um, good at geography. <laughs> maths? You write maths? No, terrible at maths. <laughs> um, and then we can bring them um, up during the time when we, we break in, a, in about five, ten minutes to uh, have coffee, and, and then we'll ask those questions in the second part of the, the gathering this morning. Um, we've got the ethos values, the five ethos values on the screen uh, mm. in front of us this morning. Uh, what does the idea of original blessing or original goodness, what does, what does it mean? What does it speak into those Oasis values? Or maybe the other way around, how does the Oasis values speak into that concept? Yeah, so I do have a tattoo, um, <laughs> just to go back. But like I said, it's not Steve. Um, and um, on my foot, on the inside of my foot, I have a Hebraic word. It's Teshlim, and it means image bearer. Image bearer. And the reason I had that put on my foot is because it's really, really foundational, particularly to those first uh, three um, ethos values that you can see there. But actually, it sits foundationally, I think, at the baseline of a lot of the belief that we sit on as Oasis, which is that every human being that we encounter, every single human being, is an image bearer of the divine. So every encounter we have is an opportunity <laughs> to both see the divine, but also to allow the other person to see the divine. Does that make sense? And so there has to be a way of opening that up for, I think, so in, um, you know, if I'm passionate about inclusion, I was just writing a script for something because we've got a big um, inset day coming up where I'm going to be talking to all of the, uh, uh, online, so we have to film it, um, to all of our teaching staff and all of our school staff. Um, and in there, I was talking about a passion to include, and I was actually talking to them about asking for help. Because one of the best ways to include people is to ask them for their help. Like, it's so fundamental. But if how you see the person in front of you is, well, they're not as good as me, or I'm better than them, or, well, what use are they, or look at who they are, then you can't build inclusion. But if you look at the person in front of you and go, do you know, I really need their help with this thing because I can't do it, but I think they can help me, and you ask them, suddenly what you're doing is you're building connection, you're building belonging. And so the, the belief in Teshlim, this notion that uh, the divine image is in every single person, actually is like... It creates the lens. So when you look at those ethos values, I want to have healthy, I want us to be known for having healthy, open relationships across the whole of Oasis. Now it's hard, isn't it? I mean, some of you are married to people in this room and it's hard, isn't it, sometimes? Anyone? Um, it, it can be tricky in relationship, but it can be tricky in the workplace, it can be tricky in churches, it can be tricky in staff rooms, where literally you'll be like, do they have to work for us? You know? But if you shift it, and if you think to yourself, this person's made in the image of God, 
Some of that image may feel hidden for them, but my task, my task is to help them see the divineness and to see the divineness. Then actually what starts to happen is when you approach like a relationship struggle or a, a workplace conflict or something, what you see is the person first, not the problem. And then you can actually start to do some stuff. And that's where those nine habits come in. Because I can't be any of those things if I'm not intentionally framing my life around the fruit of the Spirit. I just can't. I can't be those things if I'm not developing love. I can't be those things if I'm not being faithful. I can't, do you, do you see? So what we did with the nine habits was just change the wording a bit, yeah? But I talk about them as a frame, like if you're um, a trellis, you know, if you're anyone gardening, you know, like that's what I mean, like, you know, you put a trellis up and then it helps a plant grow strong, it will last into the future, it grows in a particular direction. These are a trellis that help us live that way. And I'm going to pause for 10 seconds and I want you to think about the street you live on and what it would be like if that was real. And how would it feel in the city of Bath? No north-south divide. How would it feel if you come from Bristol? If that was true across Bristol? Imagine our politicians. <laughs> and that's how we want to be known. Can you can you feel how powerful that is? But you can't you can't get there if you don't see an individual as an image bearer. You can't get there. And in order to get there, I have to navigate my life around those. And what we discovered, it's really interesting, there was a young, a young person, um, a student, um, I just said, How, what difference has it made? And he just said, I, I feel so much more peaceful. They're not a Christian kid or anything, they're just like a, you know, they're normal. Um, and it's just, I feel so much more peaceful. I'm a better friend and I'm much nicer to my mum. Because it is in the micro stuff that the macro becomes changed, doesn't it? Does that make sense? It does, yeah. That feels like a perfect moment to pause. Um, so we're going to do that. We're going to pause for five, ten minutes. Um, good opportunity to recharge your tea and coffee. You're, you're welcome to do that any time, but I know it can feel awkward sometimes when everybody's house is sitting down. So this is a good opportunity for everybody or anybody who would like to, to go and recharge your tea or coffee um, and to write some questions. Um, and then the second part of our gathering, we'll finish at half past ten. Uh, sorry, half past eleven. Uh, uh, finish at half past eleven, the time warp. Um, we'll finish at half past eleven. Um, and um, But we'll do the next bit with your questions so uh, if you've got some good questions for Jill then um, this would be a good opportunity to do that and then we'll come back in about five ten minutes time together to answer those questions 
great again to hear the buzz around the room and the conversations going on. That's what church is. Um, but uh, we're just going to draw together again to answer some of these questions that you've come up with. Some really good questions that have been asked. Um, some really deep questions <laughs> that have been asked. To so many questions that people are still talking about on the table, which is lovely. Yeah. Um, so we've been talking about the idea of original good, uh, of original blessing, um, about being good. Um, but we can't deny the fact that things go wrong in the world. Um, and there are people, there are characters, there are regimes, etc., which are less than good. Um, and so how do we deal with finding the divine image in people like, um, which says here, Adolf Hitler, who could also say Putin maybe at the moment? How, how, do, we, how do we see... How do, we, how do we reconcile the two there? It's really hard, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's the point. It is really hard. Um, and just because if I say, well, if, yeah, I believe that, I do believe that God's image is in those people. But I think, do, you know, what was the language I used? I said hidden, masked, almost lost uh for all sorts of reasons probably trauma you know no one so Frank, what is it he says so, so in for example in prison and I'll talk in a minute later maybe in answer to another question we're we're opening a um a secure school so it's the first time a charity has been asked to run a youth prison in essence um, and a friend of mine who's been helping us, he just said, there isn't anyone who's in prison who has caused trauma in others who has not experienced trauma themselves. So the, so the question, I think, it is a great question, and sometimes it's really hard, but we, if we can just find it. I remember talking to one of our teaching staff and there was a, a student who was really their behavior was really tricky and he, he just said to me do you know some days the only thing I can do is find the smallest thing that I find okay about him and today it's been his hairstyle <laughs> because sometimes it's like that person is still human that doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for the things that they have done that are incredibly bad. Do, can you see, like, just because you can find the ability to see that somewhere in there, however hidden and however deep, and what seems like it's lost, that God is somehow, like, that divine image is somewhere in there that doesn't mean that they can get away with stuff. <laughs> Those two things aren't like, do you know what I mean? So, but it is hard. When I watch the news sometimes, I find it really hard to hold that belief. When I hear some stories sometimes about things that are done to other people, by people, I'm like, shine a light. What happened? Do you know? But no one who creates trauma has not experienced trauma themselves. 
on a similar note, um, when we read the Bible as well, we can't get away from the fact that there are very dark passages in the Bible. Um, there are situations in the Bible, there are stories in the Bible that refer to genocide, to um, people Smashing dying. Smashing rocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, particularly in the Old Testament, but also some in the New as well, about yeah. the passages that actually, if we're honest, we would rather not be there. Yeah. Um, how do we reconcile yeah. that? How do we sort that out? Um, first thing I do is totally recommend... Um, we think the series, because I came to speak on the series when we did it, we think it's called Rethinking the Bible. So on the Oasis Bath podcasts, whoever's asked that question, uh, listening to those, that series, because it's really good. Uh, we also did, a, we've done loads of stuff like that at um, Oasis Waterloo as well. So whoever's asked that question, l- listen to those podcasts, because you can't really answer this question fully in a brief uh, moment. Um, I think the first thing that we have to understand is how the Bible came to be put together, who who put it together, when it was put together, and understand that some of the things that have been recorded are written about uh, societies, communities that are like Iron Age <laughs> and Stone Age. So their consciousness was at a particular point in the development of humanity. It's like, so remember that there's history books in there, there's poetry in there, there's, we wouldn't go into a library here in Bath and treat all the books that we read in the same way, but the the Bible is a library of different kinds of literature. And it's written by particular people at a particular point with a particular stage of their consciousness. So if we had written something down that is about a particular era, I mean thousands and thousands of years ago, where it was all very tribal and people did used to go around massacring themselves and others, and their notion of God was completely tied to the fact that they were a tribal community. So their God had to be other gods up and had to cause the death of other. It doesn't mean that that's what God is like. It means that that was their notion of what God is like. People do it the same. We all have a notion of what God is like. It doesn't mean that that is what God is like. That was profound, what I just said there. So when you read the Bible, first of all, you need to understand it's not like one type of literature you're reading. It's not written at one time. It's put together by a group of particular people. Do do you know, there are so many curious questions that we have to ask of it. So when I just told you about prodigal son, that was probably new information for you, for many of you. That's not your fault. It's just we haven't been taught in our churchmanship, if that's how you've come to be here today, to think outside the box. It's almost like we've never been allowed to think. You know when you colour outside the lines and you know, like you get told off if you do that and you're like, no, 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 it's okay. So explore it. And I would definitely recommend just... Read everything and anything you can that is going to help you explore the notion of like the revelation of God through that uh, that whole like 
coming together of all those different kinds of books. And then when you read stuff that Jesus said and you read stuff that Paul said and you read and you're like, but it still doesn't make sense. Understand the backdrop, the political climate. What was going on? Who was killing who? How they were killing people? You know, when you read Revelation and people get that book completely wrong, completely wrong. It's being written because the Roman Empire was up to such stuff. You know, that these people were being murdered and persecuted and the empire is the beast. That's how it was described. It's the beast. Oh, no, it's not. Beast is coming on Thursday the 24th. <laughs> like, because we're not, we don't do serious work. We just accept what someone has said who stood at the front of a church, who studied for three years and maybe wrote a few essays and we accept what they've got to say weird <laughs> like we've got to do the work and that's why small groups are important and podcasts are important and having conversations you can reject everything I've said but at least have the conversation about it do the research we, some of us spend more time researching what phone we're going to get than we do think about bits to do with the Bible. We re- I mean, genuinely, it, which is fascinating. And then we, yeah, anyway, I'll shut up. <laughs> That's good. Um, there's a lot of tension that exists in the way we think, the way we do things, the way we want to be, and the realities that we see around us. And that sometimes can be, yeah, that yeah. We, we hold those things in tension. Um, and when we're working in different organisations, when we're working in particularly larger organisations, mm. uh, I don't know if you consider Oasis to be a, a larger organisation. No, it probably is. In terms yeah. of we consider all the academies, etc. There's, there's yeah, a huge. lot of people that are employed. Um, so this question, I think, speaks into that. The tension, um, how do we deal with that tension between um, uh, Health, healthy and uh, co-equal or maybe not equal relationships um, and the structures of a, a particular organisation. How, how does Oasis hold those values in, in yeah, it's tension? A, yeah, it's a, really, um, it's a really good question. So if you just take the education piece, for example. So Oasis does all sorts of uh, pieces of work, but the education piece is a, is a really interesting. So I trained as a teacher and all the rest of it. And um, in education, hierarchy really matters, seems to really matter to people um, in education. So you're the principal or the, you know, and everyone's got a title. And everyone's got, a, you know, and, it's, and there's a structure. And the structure works in order to make the school work. But also there's, it wraps the individual up in that, like, there's a structure here and there's status attached to these things um and so it's a really interesting culture shift and move for people um when i turn up or steve turns up and we'll introduce ourselves and go um yeah we don't whatever you do if i see a parking space then i'll be furious do you know like you put a sign out jill's coming or something like in the, you know, uh, a reserved parking space. I'm like, what the... Just, I can park on the road outside this, like... Do you, you know what I mean? Like, all, this, all these notions of status and power and everything pre-exist. They're not our doing, they pre-exist. 
And so what we try and do, and through our ethos, through our nine habits particularly, is help people see that, particularly around leadership, and we've done a lot of theological work about leadership and power and all the rest of it, is to talk about, well, how do we give power away always? And that's really hard when you're in a system where the external thing, which is from the government often, is about power and structure and system and control. And we're saying, yeah, but there's like a flip up of that. So when we draw organograms, you know, um, if I see an organogram, and, and I see it a lot because it takes a lot for people to start to think differently because it takes transformation for people to think differently. If I see an organogram, for example, you know, an organisational structure, if I, so say, for example, here, and it, it had Joe, church, you know, hub, whatever Joe's title is, I just call her Joe. Um, and then it was like, and then everyone came underneath Joe. I'd be like, what's that all about? What's the role of a leader? Flip it. The role of a leader is to enable others to play their part in achieving the mission and the vision, not serving the leader, which is often what leadership looks like in lots of places. So it's a challenge because you've got culture clash. You've got culture clash. So what we do is the work of exploring the habits, blah, 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 so that people get, we're all in this together and our job is to serve one another. With all that in mind, with all that we've yes. discussed today, the, the nine habits, the uh, ethos, values, etc., and everything that we've, we've talked about, the tensions that we have, etc., is there anything major that you'd like to see change within Oasis? Is there any major change you'd like to see? Uh, anything, any new developments, maybe? Anything that you'd like to see happen? Yeah, well, the, the big thing at the moment is this secure school. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> isn't it? I mean, seriously, it's so exciting. I mean, I don't know how it's going to go, but it's really exciting. That's the point. We never know how anything's going to go. Um, I, I remember talking, so some of you will have heard of Rob Bell, and uh, I, was, I did a podcast with him, and he, he asked me just to talk about Oasis and stuff, and uh, he, he, he's a huge fan of Oasis. And he... Um, he was trying to help the audience understand because we were, we were doing this podcast live and he was trying to help the audience understand what Oasis does um, and he was explaining he said so the government gives you schools that aren't doing so well and, and yeah why do you do that? and I just went well why not? why not? and that's what like, that's the, that's the thing. Like, why not? On, the, on our ethos values, it's like a deep sense of hope that things can change and be transformed. So it can't be right that we have a justice system where young people go a sentence and then they are more traumatised <laughs> through their sentencing than they were already traumatised, which is why they've ended up in the system already. That can't be right. So there has to be another way. And if we believe that the way is love and love wins and that's how you reach people, however hard it is, well, we've got, why not? Why not? Why not do that? And why not imagine education, not just to run great schools, which is our desire, but 
what else? Like, why not flip? Because it's not working, right? There's loads of stuff that doesn't work. So what does it look like to come at that with almost like a holy imagination? And go, well, what could it? What could it, what could it look like? What could this look like? What could these things be? And most of the things start as really small ideas and they take about 10 years to come to fruition. And that's why lots of people don't step into the daring, I think, is because people want, want results now. But I think real change, and, real, and I've learned this a lot from Steve, uh, Steve Chalk, is that it's graft. You sit in with it and you just make it happen. So the Oasis Restore, it's a great article about it, just published yesterday or the day before in the Church Times. Uh, it's online. Really fantastic article and gives a real good backdrop. Uh, it's a double-page spread, I think, in the actual physical version of the document. Um, that's really helpful if you want to have a read of that. Um, that's really exciting. But I'm sure oh, there's bound to be something to do with healthcare, probably, maybe. Who knows? See, Steve's probably got something he's <laughs> planning right now. So, yeah, it's exciting. I think there's bal that balance between you're being... You're all part of it. You're all part of it. There is that balance, isn't there, between being strategic about what Oasis might be involved in, but actually responding to the yeah. needs at the time. And certainly here, and, and for most places around the UK at the moment, one of the big needs is food poverty, one of the big needs is fuel yeah. poverty. Um, so it's responding yeah. to those things as well. Yeah. And perhaps I think, don't see coming up? Um, I think my, my only challenge is, like, I'm. of course we feed the hunger. I mean, we've... Joe probably knows the data about this. Um... How many people Oasis feeds across the country? But if you just pause for a moment and think about that, like that's not good, is it? I mean, it's good, but it's not good. It's actually not good, because what's happening is we're normalising poverty. It's very Dickensian. That's not good. So our, who we are as Oasis is to do those things, but it's to ask and push and say, but there has to be a different way of setting the whole thing up because it cannot be right. It just can't be right that we are feeding this many people. That can't be right in 21st century Britain. Can't be right. Shouldn't be right. So we have to not only do the task of feeding the hungry. But I believe that our vision, your kingdom come, you know, also propels us to our structural questions and bring big responses to things. And I think like the Restore Project is one of those. It's like we need to influence the system because the penal system doesn't work. So what else do we do? So yes, we feed the hungry, but we have to ask... Why the heck is that happening in the first place? 
Thank you. We could go on for ages talking more this morning, um, but we are going to finish now because we do make a promise to finish at half past 11, particularly for the children coming up. Um, so um, we have uh, got to the end of our formal time, our formal informal time this morning. Um, but if you've got other questions, I'm sorry if I haven't got around to your question. If, uh, if you've got other questions you'd like to ask Jill, then there'll be opportunity over tea and coffee. Yeah, um, to, to ask those questions. I'm going to ask Jill if she'll pray for us um, and pray for... I, I'm going to ask if you pray for the students returning back to Bath, um, both the two universities and um, to the college and, uh, and, and, and the, the wider area as well in terms of um, Oasis Academies in Bristol. Um, there's a number of Oasis Academies in Bristol. Um, pray for the, the students there as well as they're sort of starting this September. Sure. Let's pray. God, thank you that uh, we can see you in one another. When we leave this place, we will see you in the people that we pass, the people that we encounter. God, thank you that you call us to be connection builders, community makers, includers, God, as we think about here in, in this city, we think of all the students who uh, study here, who are coming to study here for the first time. God, we ask that you would be close to all of them. That they would know that they are loved, that they are worthy. God, we pray for those that will find their way here. That they will discover more and more and more of just who it is that you have created them to be. And God, I pray for our many schools in Bristol. For all the staff. For all of the students, for all of the children. God, I just ask that you would bring them joy. And for us, um, help us to know we're loved. If we're not sure, help us to discover and dive deeper into the surety of your love. The God who is love. And we ask it because Jesus taught it and he told that story of us being embraced by unrelenting love as the father embraced the son may we believe it God Amen You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath find out more about us visit our website at www.oasisbath.org